Hello, Harbor Church. It's Sean Boss coming to you again live from the comfort of my living room with the final installment in our series called The Mechanics of the Gospel. It's a series that's been doing a deep dive on the makeup of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pastor Braden and those who have taken on the task of speaking in this series have basically spoken on what I consider the, to be the DNA of the gospel in helping us understand the characteristics that make up the gospel, Jesus' gospel. We as a church have covered a lot of ground in the over the course of this series. Pastor Braden launched our series in, in helping us understand from God's word that there is only one God, one creator of all things, and in this one creator, in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there is only one gospel, and that is the gospel of Jesus. Any other gospel is a false gospel. It's what the great reformist Martin Luther said when he, he gave his five soles. Two of the soles were, were solus Christus, in Christ alone, in soli dia gloria, to the glory of God alone. This is what launched our series. And from there, we, we went on to see that our sin is what separated us from God. And from there, the solution to sin was offered in the person of Jesus Christ, the God-man, the man who came from heaven into our world, God, who gave his life, who lived his life and gave his life and was resurrected so that we could receive this gift of faith and this grace through his sacrifice and resurrection for the, for the, for the saving or the paying of our sin and the saving of our souls. In his death and resurrection, we understand the gravity of our sin. Our eyes, our ears, and our hearts are opened. We repent and we turn from our wicked ways. And we are restored in our relationship with our Creator. The Creator of all things. Last week we heard from Richard a message of us giving our lives. After we are saved after Jesus has done the work, we now give our lives and we live in and through Jesus Christ. And now here we are this week. And you may be saying, Sean, what else is there to talk about? We've heard the best news we'll ever hear in our life. And I would agree, you have heard the best news you will ever hear in your life. But there is one more thing that we can talk about. There is one more thing to cover. And that is the fruit of the gospel. The lasting fruit of the gospel. That of the eternity or the eternal kingdom of God. Our eternity with God. We're going to finish today with a look at what God's word has to say about eternity. I'm sure you're one, you've wondered, as I have, what is it going to be like? What is eternal life going to be like with God? <clears throat> Are there any characteristics that we could look to to give us some insight? into what it will be like, what we can look forward to. And I'm here to say, yes, there's a lot of good news that is found in God's Word to give us the insight. We're not left wondering or wanting. We're actually left anticipating this new place that God has for us, this eternal kingdom. The scripture serving as our, as our context verse for today is, is taken from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4, and it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back 
and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. In reading this scripture verse, there are three things that are going to shed light on our understanding of God's kingdom and our understanding of eternal life. The first is why Jesus said these words. Why is it that he felt the need to tell us about this place? The second thing we're going to look at is is what Jesus is speaking of when he talks about this place. What is it like? And then we're going to finish it we're going to finish by bringing it all back to talk again one more time about the person who makes it all possible for us to go to this place that Jesus says that we know the way to get there and that is Jesus. We're going to bring it all back by finishing with a look again at Jesus. So the first thing we want to talk about when we look at this is is why Jesus said this. And when we look at the the chapter of John 14 as a whole, um, and specifically the the title that this chapter begins with, we, we learn that this is a time where Jesus is comforting his disciples. At this point, the apostles understand all that, the kind of life that is going to honor God. It's a life of sacrifice and it's a life of service. If you're a believer and you're living this life, you know, like me, at times this can be trying. It can be hard. The life can be hard. A life of sacrifice and service can be hard. There are times where I know I should do something because it would bring honor to God and, I, and I'm just like, man, I don't want to do that. I wish, I wish someone else would do it. We've all had those moments. The apostles are fully aware as well that Jesus is going to be betrayed and that he's going to give his life. He's going to offer it up. Putting myself in the shoes of an apostle, I try to imagine what what that was going to be like. I, I try to imagine what my own feelings would be like. I'm sure that if I was there with them, it would be a high time of anxiety. It would be a time of fear and a time of great sadness. After everything they've seen, witnessed, and heard, they, they, they would have struggled, if not forced, forced themselves to not believe that this was going to be the reality. Christ dying and being resurrected in this life of service and, and sacrifice, that this is what it was going to all come to. It would have been hard for them. Then Jesus gives us these words of a better time in a better place to come. Words that would have those who believe living in a better place. And the reason he reveals this truth to us is so that we can be comforted, but also so that we could have perspective. This is the other helpful area that Jesus addresses when he gives us these words of another place that is prepared for the believer. When we have our perspective right, our priorities align. We're able to align our priorities. We're able to put emphasis on those things that are truly important and let go of those things that aren't because we have an eternal perspective of a kingdom to come. And letting us know of these things, it's key. Because Jesus came from the eternal glory into our world. The other thing is that Jesus knows this place very well. It's where he's from. He's actively at work in this place and for our benefit. So that we would have hope. Because in this world and in the time of Jesus, there was a lot of grief. There was a lot of hardship. There was a great struggle. And in our world today, it sounds 
very familiar. Does it sound familiar to you, church? When you look at the world today, do you see grief? Do you see hardship? Do you see struggle? I do. We're living in a global pandemic right now where everyone's fearful for their health. There seems to be and has always been systemic racism taking place. We're all created in the image of God, but we can't seem to get ourselves as a society to live that way. In the U.S. and Canada, we're seeing this manifest now on our TV screen. Suicide rates are always an issue. People are hurting. And at funerals, we always hear that, well, so-and-so's in a better place. We say that because we know this place was hard for them to live in. They feel, and sometimes we feel, that any place other than here has to be better. And here we are with the words of Jesus. And why does he say them? Why does he give us this word of a better place, of a new place? Because there's power in the truth. Jesus is telling us the truth. And when we are living in the truth and when we have the truth, we have great power. Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Listener, in the truth of Christ, we will have peace because Christ has overcome the world. In this world, there's going to be, in this place, hardship, trial, toil, struggles. But in Christ, there's a new place where there's eternal peace, eternal joy, eternal hope. And this is a powerful why for Jesus saying what he said and when he said it. It's an eternal perspective that transforms our grief like it did for the apostles and the list believers and the listeners in the early days. It turns their grief to joy. And if we were in church together, this is where I would, I would say, Amen! That we would all agree on this. This is the why. The next thing we want to look at is, what is this place like? Doing a quick Google search, I found that the kingdom of God in heaven in the Old Testament was referenced 186 times. In the New Testament, it was referenced or spoken of 236 times. And this is looking at the New International Version or the NIV version of the Bible. <laughs> when I hear these numbers, what it tells me is that this is something very important that God wants us to know. It's truth that He wants to establish in the foundation of our lives. Anytime you hear someone saying something over and over and over again is because they want to embed it into our memory and in our hearts so that we know it's a very real place. Over my years as a Christian, I've thought on eternity with Jesus many times. And the, thing, the point I want to make is that it is a very real place. The point God wants to make and that Jesus was speaking about is that it is a very real place. Those outside the faith wonder this, and it's sometimes something that Satan uses to confuse us. Coming back to our context verse in John 14, Jesus said that God's house has many rooms, and that he was going there, and that he is there, and has gone there to prepare a place for us. It's a different place. It's a separate place from the world that we're living in, the broken and sinful and hurtful world that we're in. 
Hebrews, 20, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through 24 tells us, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Wow. Whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to, spirits, to, to, the, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, into the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. When I read that last line, it cuts deep into my heart. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word. It speaks of a better place. It speaks of a better covenant. It speaks of a better promise that makes this place a reality for those who believe. Many false teachers have said that heaven is here. It's on earth now. It's only going to be as good as you make it. So make it what you can to get the joy out of life. Or even worse than that, they say, hell is here. Because church and listener, as I've said, heaven is real. Hell is real. A very real place where those who do not believe and have faith in God are separated eternally from God. The world would have you believe and Satan would have you believe that hell is this place. It won't get any worse than this. Everybody goes to heaven. That's a lie. And it goes against the truth that we know and learn of in God's Word. We pray the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that because we're acknowledging that the kingdom of God is real. In newsflash, hell is real too. We want the kingdom of God because we don't want that other place. We don't want to be there. We don't want to see it. Where we now are, where we are now is temporary. This is a temporary place. And if this is confusing for you, I would encourage you to go for a drive around your neighborhood or your city. You're going to find many places called funeral homes. And those places are in the business of death because we're all going to die. Our time on this earth is going to come to an end and we are going to be going to one of two places, God's kingdom or hell. And it's based on our relationship with God or our lack of a relationship with God through Jesus. Another thing that I would say and have found in, in describing what heaven is like, because you're probably saying, Sean, you've, you've kind of talked about what it's like, but you really haven't. You know, what is it really like? Well, I found a website, BibleStudyTools.com, and from there I found seven facts that are taken from God's Word that speak about His kingdom. The first is from Psalm 33, verse 13, which says, It's God's dwelling place. It's where God lives. Acts 1 verse 11 says, it's where Christ is today. Because Christ has ascended. God is with us through the indwelling presence of His Holy Spirit. Jesus is in heaven. And it's where Christians go when they die, according to Philippians 1 verses 21 through 23. It's the Father's house, as it says in John 14 too. For you sports enthusiasts, as it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, it's the city designed and built by God. It's the city that God built. 
It's a better country, as is stated in Hebrews 11, verse 16. We live in a country that is fought, fraught with problems, and we see problems in every other country. But in God's country, these problems don't exist. It's a paradise, as it's stated in Luke 23, verse 43. I don't know about you, but when I think of paradise, I think of a great place, a place where I want to be. If I was to add to this, I would refer you to, to Revelation chapter 21. And if you needed to, I would, I would make note of those, those points, those seven points. And I would also add you to look at Revelation. I would also refer you to look at Revelation chapter 21, where Jesus reveals through the apostle John, who was in exile on an island called Patmos, he, he speaks to John about the, the blueprints or the infrastructure of heaven. He talks about the walls, the gates, the ground, the structures to give us an idea, a visual breakdown of what we're going to see. And the good news is, is that these gates are always open. There is no security guards. When I think about medieval times, I think about these castles or places where they had big walls and they were gated and the gates were always closed at the end of the night because they were always fearful that the attackers would come in at night. In God's kingdom, the gates are always open because there's no fear of that. There's no fear of being attacked. There's no pain. There's no tears. And the greatest part about this kingdom is that there's no darkness. If you're like me and you don't like the dark and never have, this is going to be great news for you. Revelation 21 verse 23 says, the city, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The glory of God illuminates heaven. There's no need for darkness. I can't wait to get there. I hate the dark. What a place, church, to look forward to. That moment when the veil is taken from our eyes and we see and experience the joy of all of it. I liken it to those home renovation shows where people leave and their home is renovated without their knowledge. They're not playing a role in the fix-up. It's these reality shows my wife and I like, like Property Brothers or Extreme Home Makeover or Love It or List It. These are reality shows where People's homes or parts of their homes are in ruins and in need of desperate restoration. These homeowners are, leave for a while and a group of people come in and they breathe the new life. They create the new infrastructure into these homes that were once ruined so that there can be joy. Does it sound familiar? The best part of these shows is when the homeowners come home. They're brought back, there's a veil covering their eyes or something blocking their home, a countdown goes, and when the countdown is over, the bus moves or the veil is taken off, and the people are left awestruck. They're in shock, and they're often full of joy, they're full of tears, they're full of emotion. My wife and I love the look of amazement on these people and what they have because they're realizing that this is their home. This brand new, renovated home is theirs. It's not broken down anymore. It's not in uninhabitable. They can't wait to be there. It's a joy-filled, breathless moment. 
And it's a joy-filled, breathless moment that I, as a believer, look forward to having when the veil is taken from my eyes because my heart is stopped and I'm with God and He reveals my new home and my new room. I look forward to that joy. I look forward to that moment. I look forward to that place. But as is the case with any new country or any new place, there's travel involved. You need to know the way there. you got to have directions. You have to have the finances to get you there. You have to have the transportation to get you there. There are a lot of things that need to be taken care of to get you there. And the reality is, is that in Jesus Christ, all those things are taken care of. In the mechanics of the gospel, it takes care of all of it. There is nothing we need to do because there's no other way. Galatians 1, chapter 1, verse 8 says that, but if even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Paul acknowledges this same thing when he talks to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 3 through 4, because he knows the reality of false gospels and false teachers exist. He says, I am afraid, however, that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may be led astray from your simple and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. Hear me when I say this, church. False teachers and false gospels are out there. But there is only one true gospel, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's only His gospel that saves. As Braden preached when he launched our series, all other gospels are false gospels, and they need to be avoided. You have to run from them. If you ever hear a prosperity preacher try and convince you that you are a little God, that you can create things or speak them into creation, you need to run as fast as you can. It's a false gospel. We don't have the power to create or speak anything into existence. That power is only found in Jesus Christ. It's only in Jesus. Satan was cast out of heaven along with all his followers because he wanted to be God. He wanted the power to create. They were eternally condemned to that real place called hell. If you hear a health and wealth preacher saying that God wants you to have the desires of your heart, he wants you to have everything that your heart desires. Just ask for it. He wants you to have the best life now, as Joel Osteen will, will write or Joyce Myers will preach. You need to run because that's a false gospel. You need to run as fast as you can because Jesus said that in this world we will have trouble. We will have trouble. <laughs> Bill Johnson is the pastor of a church in Bethel. His wife likes to compare Jesus to a genie in the bottle. I can't even fathom that. Bill Johnson, the pastor of this church, he said that he would never create a religion that involves pain. Newsflash. The truth of the gospel was established through pain, in sacrifice, in suffering. And Jesus calls us in helping to spread the gospel and share the gospel that we need to take up our cross and suffer along with Him in sacrifice and serve. I would say no church, no church again. There is only one gospel established through one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way, listener. 
Coming back to the Gospel of John, and specifically John chapter 14, verse 6, we read, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way. The mechanics of the Gospel do not allow for it. It is only in Jesus and through His Gospel that we are made right and can and have access in a place with our names written in this eternal kingdom. And as I come to the end of this message, church, I feel that maybe you're being confronted right now. Maybe you're say, thinking to yourself, wow, as I've gone through this series, I, I'm coming to believe that I might have believed part of a false gospel. Or maybe you've been deceived completely because it can happen. Or, or maybe you're, you're hearing this for the first time and, and you're struggling with some of the things that you thought were true but you're realizing they're not true. I would encourage you to repent right now and to turn to Jesus and to ask Him to make right this wrong and to lead you in the way of everlasting. Or maybe you're, you're checking in for the first time and some of the stuff you've heard today is, is really confronting you and you're feeling God call you to Himself, but you have questions you still don't understand. I would encourage you to go back and listen to all the messages in this series. And then when you get to this message, the end of it, listen again and make that commitment to Jesus. Right now, I want you to know that heaven is real. That there is an eternal city that is on a hill. And that only those who have faith in Christ as the five solas say, by, who believe in faith alone, through Christ alone, through His grace alone, revealed through the inerrant word alone, and for the glory, into the glory of God alone, can we have that assurance of a home and a place in this kingdom paid, made by and paid for Jesus Christ? If you want this assurance, call out to Jesus. Repent of your sin. Confess your need for Him. Ask Him to come in your life and to change it and to lead you through the power of the Holy Spirit in His living Word in the way of everlasting. And then get connected. Connect with me. Connect with our Pastor Braden. Connect with any believer who you trust so that you can walk in this way eternally now and into your home eternally with God when the veil is lifted from your eyes. God bless you. I pray and hope I will see you there. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. God bless.